You are listening to the Trinity Presbyterian Church Podcast from Petaluma, California. Here is this week's Adult Sunday School class. Lord God, we thank you for uh, today, and uh, we ask that uh, as we uh, dig into uh, thinking of our culture and how to respond and how to interact, um, we pray, Lord, uh, for, for biblical boldness. Uh, we pray, Lord, that we would uh, serve you in each of our conversations that we have with uh uh, those who do not know you, and that, Lord, we would point them uh, to Christ and gospel. And so, Lord, we, we herald your name again uh, this morning and ask your blessings on our Sunday school. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you've noticed uh, that there's a sort of an increasing uh, spirit among the culture today uh, that if you declare yourself woke, uh, it tends to be more and more good for you in society's eyes. If you hold yourself out as woke, people tend to think, ooh, yeah, that guy's got it, you know? And if you if you come out as being against some of the woke ideas, what happens sometimes when we talk about that recently? What might happen to you? Discrimination. Discrimination might get canceled, right? Remember we talked about the cancel culture idea recently? And so there's this, there's this uh, increasing aspect that it's sort of, uh, commended in society's eyes if you come out sort of on board with a lot of the woke way of thinking and uh, it tends to be a case of uh, discrimination for you as a Christian if you come out holding to Christian ideas uh, in a way that uh, uh, contradicts um, some of the the, the narrative. So for example, uh, today in Genesis, uh, we're going to talk about men and women and, and, and actually think that there's two things, a man and a woman, and that they can we can actually know which is which. And 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 that goes against the woke narrative, right? That's that's very bigoted of me to sort of put people into a box is how I might be responded to, right? And so um, this is an interesting component that I thought would be helpful for us to think about today. The fact that you can be commended in society for going along with this narrative, and you can be uh, reprimanded uh, if you don't. And um, what what comes of this is, interestingly, there the, 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 the popularity that's come along with being woke in society's eyes has brought up concerns that people are trying to present themselves as more woke than they really are. What do I mean? Uh, you maybe heard the language of for individuals, virtue signaling, or on uh, on uh, businesses, woke capitalism. So, virtue signaling, I think one common way it's used today is people maybe want to look woke to others because it gets you social rewards, and so you do out of your way to virtue signal to show everybody that you are really woke. Maybe it's a uh, you know, uh, wearing a, a big BLM T-shirt or uh, you know some, some you know gay uh, gay pride flag or you know some ways to sort of signal that. Now, now to clarify, right? I I do believe in 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 our freedoms of free speech and being able to dialogue back and forth. And and if someone is doing those things as a uh, convictions to try to make their case known. I want to have freedom in our society to be able to speak the opposite and speak against those things and speak uh, God's truth. But nonetheless, the concern that's been brought out, this virtue signaling idea, is the concern that some people, individuals, sort of parade their wokeness, maybe more than they really are, not because they're that concerned about wokeness, but they, they like the benefits that come along with it. And again, that's what woke capitalism language refers to when it comes to businesses. A lot of people have, a lot of the woke people have complained against businesses and says, you're acting all woke, but we don't really think you are that woke. Um, and, and we think um, um, they're promoting wokeness as a business because they think it's good for business. They think the society wants more woke ideas, more woke people, so we'll look super woke even if we aren't, so we can get more business. And so I, I think you see some folks who are jumping on the bandwagon of wokeness because it's rewarded. And they do their wokeness 
to be seen by men. Uh, you may have noticed I, I sort of did a little Bible quote there. To be seen by men. Early on, Gene, you were the one who brought, I quoted you along the way here, uh, on, on lesson number one, what does it even mean to be woke, you know, under that idea? And, and you said it's become a religion in many ways. And I think this is another way you see it as a sort of religion. They have the same kind of problems we have in Christianity, which is people can act more Christian in front of people because it looks good. And if you're in a Christian circle, then people will think more highly of you because you act more outwardly Christian. And of course, what did Jesus say to Christians? He says, Matthew uh, 6. In fact, why don't we turn over to Matthew, uh, Matthew 6 here. <laughs> Renee, I'll let you read. I'll comment. And then um, uh, Renee had a comment as well. I'll give you a chance to comment. Yeah, here. Go ahead, Renee. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. <clears throat> Thus, when you give, excuse me. <clears throat> Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their rewards. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. So my sort of uh, social critique that I'm sort of bringing to our attention is that sometimes woke folks uh, can try to look more woke than they really are because it's rewarded. So they sort of do their wokeness in order to be seen by men and uh, get the praise and the glory that comes along with that. And I, I can't help but sort of again make that little analogy that Gene had, had brought out that that some of the things that we see of, of religion, uh, of Christianity, even good and bad, you see sort of their own manifestations of that where they could basically fall into some of that same sort of hypocrisy. So by the way, if they ever say, yeah, churches are full of, of, of hypocrites, uh, you might remind them that it's not just churches uh, that are full of hypocrites. This is a common to human uh, problem. Uh, uh, Renee, you have a comment here? Um, well, the reality is that a lot of these companies or these leaders in these companies were afraid, intimidated by the uh, actions because other companies were funding all this and so they didn't want to be, you know, their buildings destroyed or the, or the, or the businesses uh, um, um, criticized or anything. And I think that's part of it is, is the fear factor. Yeah, because that cancel culture, sort of that stigma, can also be not just in a positive reward, more people will shop there, but there could also be the, uh, you'll get a brick through the window of your business if you if you say something against our movement. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Or, or worse than a brick through the window, yeah, right? I saw a BLM uh, teacher, I thought it was Bureau of Land Management. <laughs> that is one use of the acronym, absolutely. Um, so, as we're talking about this notion, you know, we have to remind ourselves as Christians, um, you know, whenever we think of, of this concern of boasting, I think it's helpful for us to remind ourselves what our attitude should be. And um, I want to turn over to 2 Corinthians 11. question his, his credentials as an apostle. Uh, there was these, uh, I'm going to be sort of overly simplistic here, but these other so-called apostles who claimed all their successes and, and, and good reports as proof of their being an apostle. And so uh, they were sort of boasting in all their outward successes. And so uh, uh, Paul sort of responds to some of their foolishness 
uh, in, a, in, a, in a maybe surprising way. Second uh, Corinthians 11:18. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear if, if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm the better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me and my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? I am not indignant. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. So, it, and he goes on along this lines. This is supposed to be, uh, you're supposed to realize he's, he's being uh, not what you would expect in terms of boasting. Right? Normally you boast along the lines of of what people would consider success you know um yeah we just held this 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 uh this crusade and one million people came to christ or 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 we just held this event and we raised this much uh dollars and sort of outward successes and how i was you know invited over to the the home of the governor or the president or you know these outward things and 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 he's combating to some of these false prophets who are boasting in a lot of the external successes. He's like, I can boast too. Let me give you my long list of how persecuted I've been. And essentially these are things that they would have looked at as a negative. Like, look at the guy who's, who's you know, you've been listening to. Look at all the trouble he's got into. How can you think God's with someone like that? And he says, I'll boast in that, Paul says. Paul says, I'll boast in that. And, and you know, think about sort of rewind Old Testament, uh, well, biblical principles of retributive justice that are sometimes simplistically, therefore, improperly applied. Sometimes people have got this, this sort of faulty idea that, that if, if you're a godly person, you'll have riches and prosperity and wonderful things only will happen to you. And, and, and if you are a bad person, then troubles will keep befalling you. And that was not to be understood simplistically in the Bible. Anywhere old in your testaments, Job would be an example, even in the Old Testament. But all the more now in the New Testament, because of the sufferings of Christ and our union with him and his message, Paul embodies the fact that in this day and age, as we bring the gospel, we should not be surprised that we share in the sufferings of Christ. And if we do share in the sufferings of Christ, there's something to put on your resume, so to speak. They're part of our credentials as those who bear uh, the name of Christ. And, of course, that idea of boasting in my weakness. Um, he'll go on in, in, in the next chapter, look down at... Uh, uh, verse uh, 8, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. Uh, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this regarding the thorn in his flesh, uh, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, for the sake of Christ, and I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so Paul can acknowledge that in his weakness, it exalts God's grace. Side note, related note, maybe you've wondered, why do Christians still struggle with sin? You know, being saved, right? Shouldn't we just, we could imagine, 
if we were God, this is how it could have been done. Uh, we, we become a Christian, we, we're, we don't struggle with sin anymore. I kind of always wish that, but then I have to remind myself I'm not God. And he's got a plan. And, and, and God's plan is you become a Christian, and until you die and go to glory, you still struggle with sin. And we can ask why. Well, at least one answer is given here. Because when we are weak, which would include still struggling with sin, his grace is manifested. Now, of course, I know that does not mean shedding sin so that grace may abound. May it ever be. Right? We, don't, we don't say, well, I guess I'll, I'll get to know more of his grace if I, if I sin it up. No, that's not the right, right way to think about it. But as we strive by the grace of God to live a different life, a better life, a godly life, and should we still, which we will, still struggle with sin, his grace is manifested because he forgives you there too. And this is uh, one of the benefits when we gather on Sundays to hear the declaration of God's pardon is to know that that's not just something that happened when you first became a Christian, that only then you got forgiven. But no, his forgiveness is over your entire life. And, and so we're reminded of that grace when we gather and hear that divine pardon being assured to you. And so uh, this is this idea that he can flip boasting on its head in the context even of Christian persecution. Yes? Because that just seems so foolish to the unsaved. How stupid can you be to go through this and suffer for it? I mean, this concept of that is just not, uh, it, it just cannot understand. Were you rubbing your nose or raising your hand? Sorry. <laughs> Since you singled me out, I <laughs> You'll take the opportunity. <laughs> the verse comes to mind, I think it's in 2 Timothy, where he reminds Timothy of how Christ Jesus confessed the good confession before Pilate, who was an enemy. And when we are vocal and stand up against woke expectations, we're confessing the good confession because we're saying biblically, this is not true. And we will be marginalized, as Pilate severely marginalized our Lord, but it's a good confession and it has good fruit. So, and it trains us so that at the end, when the whole world system goes over to darkness, we'll be strong and we'll say, no, good confession, I'm going to confess the good confession. So you guys, last two comments, both, um, both, uh, uh, anticipated exactly where I was going with this. So if society is rewarding wokeness so that people pretend to be more woke than they even are, the opposite we know is true for Christians. And so if the world tries to boast in wokeness, the recognition that we need to have is we're going to be tempted to, to, to be afraid, to hide, to, to be quiet, because it's not rewarded, it's actually punished by society increasingly for us to hold the Christian convictions, for us to speak Christian convictions, let alone even hold them, right? And so uh, you notice that this is a, a great little sort of, uh, this passage sort of serves both directions. Uh, you know, what's the right thing to be boasting about, but then the whole persecution component, right? We should not be surprised at this day and age that being a Christian, holding Christian viewpoints, is not rewarded by society very much. In many ways, it's the opposite, right? And so, um, you know, we have to be on guard uh, that we don't let that this current uh, culture of uh, sort of the, the, the current temperature of the culture get us to be silent we should speak. Or get us to sort of tweak the message because they told us we had to, right? Uh, we have to be able to be bold uh, for Christ's sake, and there's different boldness versus boasting, right? Bold for Christ's sake, knowing that you might be coming up with this resume of uh, all the ways you end up suffering for Christ's sake, right? I think that's 
something we just have to be well aware of, uh, that this is um, going to be a, 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 a common trouble right now. And so think about, you know, what might be some ways we're tempted in this. You know, when you tell people the gospel, do you minimize or even not talk about hell and sin? You know, I, I've heard people give a gospel presentation where those aren't even mentioned. You know, that Christianity is put up uh, in terms of, you know, God wants a relationship with you and, and here's how you can have your best life now if you'll, if you'll pray to God and ask him to come into your heart. Right? And, 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 and there's elements there that I would have in my gospel presentation too, but you notice that there's no mention of hell or sin in there. But that's part of the gospel message, right? I mean, we're going through Romans right now on Wednesday nights. And how does Romans start out? <coughs> Two and a half chapters of how everybody is going to hell apart from Christ. You know, kind of confronting the, uh, yeah, you knew your neighbor was going to hell, but guess what? You're going to hell too apart from Christ, apart from Christ. And so we need to be able to bring the full gospel message, which includes good news coming out of the bad news, right? And there's this temptation that the world says, don't talk about those things. So therefore we don't talk about those things so we don't get reprimanded by the world. But we need to pray for biblical boldness. What are some other areas where we can be tempted in this way? Some other examples along those lines. not talk about Christ at all, uh, certainly, uh, to not witness to people. Uh, I, I, I can't think of another area that, I'm sure there are, but I, I can't think of another area that... Uh, well, those are two good examples. So we could just, in our conversation, not talk about Jesus, yeah. and then separately and related, not evangelize to people. Um, think of Boaz. Boaz. Boaz, Old Testament book of Ruth. He'd show up, and and uh, this is the read paraphrase. He'd show up, and he'd see all his workers working, and he'd say, "The Lord bless you all today," you know. And he'd be very, you know, speaking of the Lord. And you know, we go to the grocery store, and maybe we're like, I, "I'm going to change the way I talk." At church, I talk one way. Isn't God great? You know, the Lord really blessed me this week. And then, you know, um, you're talking to someone out there in the world and suddenly all of the stuff that you would have normally said one way, you sort of put through this secularization filter in order to have conversation with the world, you know? And uh, it's easy to fall into that trap. I've been trying to push myself to, you know, uh, not put it through a filter when you're out there talking to folks, you know? If they get offended because you say, God bless you, you know? Um, then let them get offended. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we should go and look to offend for offense's sake, but I'm also saying we need to make sure we don't sort of change who we are in Christ and the way we would otherwise speak of the joy that's on our heart and the hope that we think all the world, all the world needs because we've become afraid of man now and we're afraid of the persecution that might come. Um, uh, other examples that maybe come to people's minds? Uh, in quite a few Christian movies or faith movies just at the dinner table they'll pray to God and thank him for the food and hold hands and then say amen and the Lord Jesus Christ is left out of the equation mm. and in my own struggles to be more bold there is that fleshly tendency to kind of set Christ aside when in fact he's the absolute center of, of our testimony. And so I, I try not to do it in the flesh, I try not to make it sound fake and religious, but I, I want the Holy Spirit to help me to get to Christ and get to the cross at the right time. Yeah. Because he's the center of it all. Yeah, a silly little side example along those lines but you know our kids go to harvest christian school just down the road our, our families well one of them have the other one's up to victory christian academy but uh 
you know, I've, I've noticed every so often people sort of, this is a, a, an exception, not a norm, but every so often people will, when asked uh, by outsiders, what school do you go to, they say Harvest School instead of Harvest Christian, you know. And, um, and I've had some conversations where people have, have been intentionally trying to, you know, not draw a fence in that. And uh, I kind of wonder, you know, if we have to change ourselves so much, are we sort of, is, is that the best approach, right? I, I, I find it hard uh, to, to uh, think that we should be, you know, like I said, putting everything we say through a secularization filter, removing all aspects of, of Christ and Christianity from, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't think how that could be the right response. Uh, and so I think you're right. There could be these prayer times where, like, you know, um, I've been asked at different points, uh, oh, you want to be a chaplain for the police? You know, they need pastors. But I, my first question now is, am I allowed to pray a, a Christian prayer and say, in Christ's name, amen? And they go, oh, well, you can't do that. Um, sorry, then. <laughs> not going to be a chaplain for you. Um, you know, I, I think, I think um, we have to be careful with some of those things. Absolutely right. Yeah. Other, other examples? Uh, by the way, I know some Christian ministers who, who are willing to uh, take that restriction because they think they can sort of be plugged in and be more covert difference maker, and I'm sure they can be. Um, but yeah, I just tell you where I land on, on that particular thing. Um, other, uh, yeah, Jean. Yeah, I'm just thinking that you're, what you seem to be saying is that um, everything is based actually on fear. Mm -hmm. yep. We're afraid of this. We don't have the proper fear, the fear of God, but the fear of man. And it reminds me of ancient history when we had the lawsuit in San Francisco. The number of people that wanted to pull back from standing firm. And I remember Pastor Chuck saying, look, I understand you're all afraid. But we've got someone greater to put our trust in. And we need to, like, only Michael Hart Horton's newest book, we need to recover our sanity as we get off on this bit of being afraid. Well, what have we got to, for, uh, to be afraid of? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I was mentioning at the beginning about what's the right title for our lesson. And that could potentially be the right title for today's lesson, too, something on, on fear. Because it's true for the first part of our lesson, which was those people who want to look more woke to the world. Scripture, at points, refer to that as fearing man over God as well, right? Because you want to, you, you care more about what man thinks. Therefore, you look what what, the, what man wants you to look like. So yeah, that actually can cover it from both directions. That then we then are too quiet as Christians because we're afraid of what man will do to us or say to us or think about us or yeah. Whether firebomb through the window in San Francisco, right, and literally happened, right? So, yeah. so um, these are these are real issues. Yeah, real issues. Yeah, I don't know if you guys uh, see some uh, interesting. Uh, years ago, um, the uh, San Francisco OPC Church um, uh, learned that their um, um, piano player, organist, organist uh, was was a was a practicing homosexual. And uh, when that came out, they they released him from his job duty, and um, uh, that had a lot of uh, uh, uproar in the community. Uh, they got sued, and they won. The church won. Um, it was within their their even civil rights to discriminate against who would be the sort of people performing in, in acts of worship at the church. That was the right decision. Uh, but the community uh, was not happy. Uh, San Francisco, right? And uh, at one point, they had a firebomb thrown through the window. And the, the, the family lived there. It was a manse in the, uh, adjacent to the church. So literally right through their like, living room window. Pretty scary, you know, something to put on the resume kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so that was many years ago. And the climate in our culture hasn't gotten more Christian since then, right? Um, so these are all the more real, real issues. Dean, real quickly. Um, Another one that we might tend to bring out is scripture. Um, there was an article in the PD where they did a story about the drag queen hour over it um, with the flamingo. And I 
I responded to it in the PD. I just took one verse out of Deuteronomy, which said that a man shall not wear a woman's clothes, and it's a detestable thing to the Lord. I put it in, and it was properly canceled right away. <laughs> but it was the Word of God, and I don't think we should be afraid to quote Scripture. It can't get into a discussion of, well, how do you know it's true, and people rail on it. But it gives you a further opportunity to say, well, here's why I believe the Scripture is trustworthy. So scripture is another one that we might, it's actually our, one of our most powerful weapons, so I think we should use it. I was talking to Tom uh, before the service today, He's reading some uh, Cornelius Van Til, Fence of the Faith, that's an apologetics uh, book, and uh, one of the things Van Til definitely made a point was, is to make use of God's word in an apologetics conversation. I know myself growing up, and I think probably a lot of you may, may have been told this, told, uh, you can't go quoting scripture to an unbeliever. You need to first convince them of a God and, and that the Bible is God's word. Then you can make use of scripture. In other words, what a wonderful tactic by Satan. Take your best weapon and stick it over there and then go in with your hands tied behind your back and try to win. You know, uh, He's given us a lot of weapons, but our best weapon is God's word. And so we can and should make use of our best weapon and don't leave it at home until they until they submit. Yeah, uh, Renee. another quick metaphor is, you know, if you're going to go into a battle with swords, you don't put your sword away. That's right. right? And so the word of God is a double-edged sword that literally cuts people yeah. open when it's when it's so convicting that they don't want to see it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It cuts to the heart. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes the reaction you'll get when you bring God's word to someone and it's too close to home, they get mad. Well, um, that doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad conversation, right? <laughs> sometimes I think we get this sense of like, we can't upset people, right? Uh, but sometimes it's it's they got mad because it got a little too close to home, but they maybe go home and think through and like, oh, actually that's what I needed to hear. It's like the Lord was straightforward, you know, I didn't, I didn't come to bring peace, yeah. about a sword. And then he was confrontational, even though, it, even though it, you know, um, uh, there were uh, there was opposition, but he was confrontational in a loving way. But it was still telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. I think we have to really be on guard. Again, we're not talking. And please, no one misunderstand. We're not saying let's go out there and be obnoxious or no. you know, sort of arrogant, brash, like unnecessarily offensive. I think a lot of First Peter. First Peter really talks a lot about this. There's ways, if we live as Christians, we're going to be exiles and pilgrims in this world, different than the rest of the world, and we are going to get uh, to experience persecution because of that. But make sure your persecution is because you're looking to do the right thing as a Christian and not because you're actually out there just being a bad individual. Yeah. And, and there have certainly been people who have, uh, in the name of Christianity, and then think it's Christian persecution um, brought trouble upon themselves, and um, and that's not good. I think of uh, of um, you know this is true and possible any place, but social media. I think sometimes you, you can find some of this where you have some some Christians posting in very unkind ways, very unloving ways, truth, but but in an unkind and loving way, and um, if if they get you know, pushback and, and canceled and harsh responses, uh, is it because they're persecuted or because they were very unkind and unloving and now they're trying to communicate? And so there's a way to be loving and kind and yet bold and truthful. And we want to strive for that. Um, yeah. One more thing, just, um, we can also, in trying to, trying to bring people to Christ, we can also bring like this, 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 this new uh, website called uh, He Gets Us, where they do talk about Christ, and a lot of churches have signed on to this, but they don't really talk about sin, about uh, uh, His sacrifice, that you need to, you know, repent. I mean, it, from what I read was a lot of very rich Christians have put a lot of money into this website, but they miss Christ. I'm thankful in if if those ads 
spark conversations that we can engage in and, and talk about the full truth. But you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, that's my initial reaction as I've seen their ads and seen their website uh, that uh, uh, you can't help but, but, but get the sense that they have fallen into some of the very concerns I've raised today, uh, which is sort of backing away from anything that might possibly offend someone. Yeah, and therefore changing the message in the process. Um, so yeah, I, I'm hopeful that those will have opportunities to talk about Jesus, but um, uh, let's make sure if we're engaged in those that we, we, we try to bring forth the, the whole counsel of God's word in these conversations. So. Tom? Yeah, Pastor I, I was thinking, like, we may be tempted to not speak the truth also if, like, this never happened to me, but, like, if a person come up to me and and said, I'm, we're having a conversation, and um, in the conversation they say, I want my pronouns to be it or them, but like I believe there's only male or female, it could be hard to tell the truth and say, okay, no, I, I don't believe in that category. I only believe in male or female. Um, so I, I, I may be tempted to not say that, just not to offend them. Well, and I think we have a question here of wisdom as well, right? Like, I like give me an example. Apart from all the woke conversation, we have a church, right? We have visitors come through our door. And visitors can be all over the place in terms of within Christianity or, or uh, uh, not Christian, but even Christian that has some very differing uh, views on doctrine. And I have them walk in, and I meet, and I have a conversation, and in five minutes I can kind of get a sense of where they're at. And I've had conversations where, you know, five minutes in, they've said, uh, you know, ten different things that were way off, you know. And I have to have some wisdom on how will that conversation go, right? Like, probably, you know, um, the first time you meet someone, you know, correcting every other sentence and giving a little mini theological treatise for why they're wrong on that may not be the wisest approach, right? And so, yeah, wisdom will certainly come into play on how you help point people to truth and how you uh, 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 take people along. And, and, and a question to ask is what Dean said, and you're thinking on the spot on how to reply. Is it out of fear or is it out of wise game plan on how to bring this person to know, know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And um, on any one particular question, you know, uh, you might even have some difference, you know, Christian convictions and what's the wisest approach there. And sometimes that's the benefit of wisdom is getting a few folks. So you might, you know, kick around that kind of question. That's just an example. But, but any question, you're like, hey, you know, um, by the way, a little plug for Wednesday nights. Right? We got our little fellowship hour, like having some food. Perfect time to be like, yeah, so this person came up to me, I was talking, and, and they insisted that I use my their pronouns, and, and and I didn't know how I should respond. What do you guys think? Should I have said this? Should I have said that? Like, get some wisdom on how to respond to specific contextual circumstances and become more equipped next time it happens to you, right? Because it's, it's probably going to happen more than once, right? Uh, you know, maybe in the moment, if it's someone you don't know, you just sort of avoid using pronouns and use their their, their name or something, and then you, you have opportunities later to you know sort of dig. I, you know, I, again, context will will be uh, give you some wisdom on how to navigate some of the strange things that were asked of. And if they do put you on the spot and put you point blank, then you just have to say, you know what, I. Like my passengers preached on it, you know, around Genesis. God made man and woman, and I, you know, I, I and, and the language things mean things, and like there's there's masculine pronouns and there's feminine pronouns, and uh, you know, so you have to have, but you can do that in a way that's kind and compassionate, you know, versus like sort of just an arrogant, uh, I didn't use your stupid pronoun, you idiot, you know, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's ways that you can you can respond there, so. Other uh, other thoughts on our topic today? I've, I've uh, thought we should talk about this, and um, I've, I at this point in the uh, near the end of our uh, message, right, our, our woke series, be awake, not woke. 
But I, I found this very helpful. I hope you guys have sort of uh, just reflecting on, okay, now we're, because a big part of what we've been intending to accomplish here, whether I use the word or not, is sort of apologetics. You're going to have conversations. And, and you're going to have to think about how to respond in those conversations. And I would encourage you to not fall into the, you can't talk about your Christian faith and Christian convictions anymore. We can and we should. Even if it means that we're hated on by the world. And literally, you look at a lot of prophecy, and we'll touch a little bit on our concluding thoughts next time. There's a lot of prophecy that says we should expect that. We should expect as the near, as the end nears, that we're ostracized from society, uh, that we are uh, looked down upon in society because of our Christian convictions, which is why Paul here took it as a good thing uh, that he had a resume full of, of people hating on him uh, because he bore the name of Christ. So this has been a, a good chance to kind of get our head around that. Any any closing comments, Dean? Well, very quickly, um, from my brother, I have found it helpful when you're in a tricky situation to ask questions. Mm. So now, it's about pronouns. It's a little bit new to me. Tell me a little more. Where did you get this idea? It's not traditional. Tell me about your life, your experience, how, this, how you came upon this. And by listening, you're building relationship, and you're showing that you care. And usually, you'll get to a juncture in the conversation where they'll kind of ask, well, what are, what's your view on the matter, or what are your presuppositions on this? And if you listen to them first, they will often give you the opportunity to share, and now you've built some relationship, and it might go better. Yeah, but <laughs> it might not. It might not, but I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of wisdom in being able to ask a lot of questions and be a good listener. And it means that you're in for the long game and not just uh, every conversation, how can I sort of take a quick jab with my sword at them and then run off, you know? Yeah, like, like that's a, a different question. Uh, along those lines, one little tip is when they do ask you about what you think, um, something, you know, to sort of keep pointing the back, <laughs> Well, as a Christian, we believe in the Bible, and we believe the Bible is God's word, and the Bible teaches this, this, and this. So that it's not about, well, I think, or I thought this, and then they can just point it back on you. Who are you? You know, uh, but it's more of a, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, we hold to God's word. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation. Next time, we're going to do a concluding thoughts lesson to think about uh, this, and actually a little hint, it's kind of got a little eschatology mixed into it, so, so that's kind of where we're going. Uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our, our study today, and uh, Lord, we, we pray for biblical boldness, uh, that if we're going to boast in anything, we boast in the cross and our weakness in Christ, uh, Lord, to know that uh, we stand by your grace. And so, Lord, uh, help us to be bold then with your truth. And, Lord, uh, have uh, the grace in those moments of apologetics where we are asked to give a defense for the hope that we have. Uh, Lord, we know um, uh, there's so much along that, but it's especially about our faith in you, uh, about who, who you are, and, and that sweet gospel. And we pray, Lord, uh, even as we look to bring the whole counsel of your word to the world, um, Lord, that would especially uh, be pointing people to that salvation that's in the name of Jesus Christ alone. And so, Lord, bless this uh, breakdown as we prepare for worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.